return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Last week, of course, uh, Pastor Sepha sharing here. It was good to have Sepha and Jesse back and their kids. And uh, He mentioned the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal, the Evergreen, and of course, then it eventually got released and floated in the tithe and so forth. And he was just talking about getting unstuck uh, at the end of his message and stuff. And from that, you know, I just think of today. Don't allow your past to dictate your future. All of us have had a past. Maybe the last week you might think, oh, it was a rough last week. Okay, fine. But that's the past. So don't allow what happened in your past to determine what your future is. Because God's plan for us in our future is always good. All right? Remember, Romans says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And one of those things that says, Nor things to come. Future can't separate us. So we want to walk in the Spirit. And we want to be the people that He wants us to be. Yesterday ended last night. So we're in today. So you always have to shake off, sometimes it might be daily, shake off setbacks, defeats, losses, uh, things that have happened. Shake, take your hands right now, just shake them. Just, just shake it off, shake it off. Remember Jesus said, shake the dust off yourself when, when something doesn't go right, you know, ministering the gospel, go to the next place. We always have to be in the process of a freshness of life. It's a freshness in the spirit. So all of us can have a down moment. All right. But but hey, let it be a moment and then go on from there. And so we want to keep walking into uh, uh, our future, walking into the things that he has for us. Amen. Sometimes we might think like think, I don't know if I can recover. We get down. We can be sometimes we can be the hardest on ourselves. Sometimes we can be the last person that we forgive. And it's like, no, if Jesus forgives me, then I need to forgive me. Right. Because we can beat ourselves up to say, why did you do that? And why did you make that mistake? And so on and so forth. No, we have to move on. So we have to recover. Say recover. So Isaiah 60 and verse 1 says, your light has come. So in Jesus Christ, Jesus fulfilled this, all right? Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus has fulfilled us. He's anointed us. He's, he's commended us with good news and so forth. And notice, your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now, this does not come by a feeling, it comes by knowing the Word of God. So many things, when we walk by faith, aren't feelings. It's something that you know from Scripture. If I know it's in the Bible, then, it's, then I begin to act on it, and guess what? Then, then your feelings change for the better. 
But if we just sat, if we just sat, and I feel down, I feel this or that, well, you're probably not going to change. So we have to rise up if we know the Word of God. If I realize, man, my light has already come, God has already got good things for me, and, and so forth, all I need to do is rise up and accept that. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you and I. That's the present. I'm talking about Christians now. That's the presence of the Lord. If you're a Christian, you should have the witness of the Spirit that you belong to Jesus Christ. It's the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Amen? And so we begin to walk in a different place than the world walks. But we're only going to know that if we know the Bible. Okay, if you don't know the Bible, and that's why we always are emphasizing the Word of God. But if you, if you don't know it, well, then you don't know what you have. It's like the Word of God is the will of God. If someone close to you passed away and you knew that you were in the will, then you would want to hear what they said in the will, correct? You would want to know what were you given. And so that will would be read maybe by an attorney or somebody. And so it would list out, so to you, uh, uh, list your name, I give you such and such. And if you see it in writing, and you know that will, that, see, a per, will only comes into effect once a person dies. But when they die, it's a legal instrument. And then it's enforced, and what is written is yours. Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, and his will came into effect. The testament, it's a testament of his life, came to us now. And it is written. And so what he has written to us, like it says in Peter, all things that pertain to life and godliness he's given to us, then it is ours. Then it is my responsibility to get what is mine. Turn to your neighbor and say, get what is yours. You cannot be passive. You cannot assume, well, I'm a Christian, so, well, it'll just happen. That No, no, you have to go get it. The Bible is a legal document. You have to get, though, what is yours. Why? The enemy wants to keep you. The enemy wants to keep everybody ignorant. So they don't know what's in the Bible. There may be a Christian. Everything's, things happening to them. They might be blaming God and this and that. And everybody's against them and they're a victim. Might be a Christian, but no victory. So when we get into the Word of God, I begin to see what His will is, what His Word says. And then I begin to think, I'm going after that for me. I'm going to claim it for me. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's yours. <clears throat> now, most people in the natural see if a will is there. The attorney has read it. Then they would go and, and literally, if they had to go to the bank or whatever, they would go and claim it. Right? They would bring the evidence. This is mine. And they would go claim it from the bank. They would assert themselves. In other words, you wouldn't, you wouldn't read it and say, Oh, that's really nice. I got $10,000. Huh. Well, honey, put that in the file. I'll read it again, maybe in a month. And I'll think about it later. No, I mean, probably if you had $10,000, I would guess you wouldn't let a lot of grass grow under your feet. You'd be after the 10000 bucks, right? I mean, if it's Sunday, you're thinking, when does the bank open on Monday? You're, you'd be after what is yours. The same thing spiritually. You have to go after what is yours. It's given to us. That's automatic. However, however, the inheritance is something you have to go and claim. You claim your inheritance. Now, your inheritance is the same as mine. It's for all God's children. 
So he's not, he doesn't discriminate. He doesn't uh, uh, give one more than another. No, it's all there, all there for the taking. So if you want to live in revival, woo, go for it. I love it. You don't have to live a life that, well, I'm down today. Well, I'm sad today. Well, this and that. No, 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 no. You can live the life that God intended you to live. And that means you're living above, not beneath. The Bible says you're above only. You're the head, not the tail. You're on top. You're on top of things. When we walk on tread on serpents and scorpions, we're on top of the things of the enemy. All right? We're not allowing the enemy to walk on us. We're walking on him. So you have to, you have to go after it. The word of God is a legal document. We'll cover this another time. But this is a legal document. God has given a word that is a binding word and enforced because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's go. Let's, let's look at a few people here. John chapter 4. And I just want to touch base on a couple of things that people can face things. We all face things. This woman, this woman had, had five marriages, five marriages, and she's with another guy. And Jesus comes and talks to her about her life. Now, now, she didn't know this was going to happen the day she goes to the well to get water, but this was an encounter that happened with Jesus Christ, with another man who was the heavenly man. Amen. And so, so now there's this encounter. The thing is, you see, I, I wonder how many people Jesus encountered that never, never received anything. We know, we know there were nine other lepers healed, but only one came back. How many people, how many thousands and thousands of people were touched by Christ but never followed him? Never followed him. Never, never worshipped him. Weren't obviously in the upper room. But thousands of people, because we know that because prior to each uh, serving of the 4,000 and the 5,000, those were miracle services for days happening. So many, 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 many people got ministered to. So a lot of people bumped into him, but very few actually touched him with faith. So this woman now is, again, here's an encounter that's recorded in Scripture. And, of course, she has a choice, and we all have a choice. What are we going to do? I mean, again, she's, she's, she's had a lot of adversity in her life and a lot of poor marriages and poor things, and I, I, would, regress not, uh, I would expect not a lot of respect in the community. But she goes to the city, and she goes back into the city, and she goes back right to the place where she would, would have received scorn. And so she goes back and she brings the report to see this man who must be the Christ, who's the Messiah, who, who shared things about my life but brought forgiveness and grace. So he didn't, Jesus never, he's not to condemn people, he's always to give people hope, right? But this woman has a choice in her life at this point. Now, we don't know how old she was, but... but uh, my guess is she's probably not in her 20s, okay? So, so she's had five husbands, five and many, many relationships. But she has a choice now. Is she going to come away from the past and embrace her future? We all have that choice. Sometimes it's a daily choice. But it's a choice we have to make. Jesus isn't going to make it. He did not make it for her. That's what she did. She leaves her pot. She goes into the town. She talks to the men. And, and, and all of a sudden, she began to be defined by a new man. Amen? Well, a lot of times, people allow their past to define them. Well, you were this, and you were this, and you were this. 
might have been, but now in Christ, I'm a new person. Amen. I'm a new person. We become new people. Once was lost. Yeah, once people drank and drugs and all kinds of things and, and in, in prisons and so forth like that. But now in Christ. So she allowed now Jesus to redefine who she was. She embraced it. She embraced what Jesus was saying to her. And she walked into the town and she led the men out into a revival. These are choices, you know, again, how am I going to be, be defined in my life? How do, I want, how do I want my kids to think of me? If you have kids, if you have friends, how do you want your friends to think of you? Co-workers, how do you want them to think of you? So how we live our life is going to reflect, should reflect the image of Jesus Christ. So now she goes back with a new image, a new message, talking to the men about a man who changed her life. Wonderful story. John chapter 8. The adulterer. So they catch the woman in the act of sex with another man. And they bring her, not the man, to Jesus. And plainly declare the law says she should be stoned. Now if you read the New Testament, there will be many things where there's a, a line drawn. Where it says the old was this, the new is this. Okay, this is one of those stories. The law says she should be stoned. True, according to the law. But when you read it, what it shows is Jesus brings a new covenant. Amen? He brings a new covenant. So people can sometimes quote things out of the Bible, Old Testament, but it might be wrong. Amen? So that's why you have to discern. It's why when, when James and John came to Peter, or came to Jesus, excuse me, and when the Samaritan city had rejected him, and, and, James and, you know, James and John were offended for Jesus, that they didn't want him there, and Jesus was going another way, and they said, hey, should we call down fire like Elijah did? So that sounds so spiritual. There's still people today, Christians, calling down fire. Of course, it doesn't happen because it's not biblical. But what it does, it brings condemnation. They're calling down judgment. And so, so the, the perspective is, old, now here's the old, Elijah called down fire against the prophets of Baal, boom, he dealt with that, and they're righteous now, they're saying, we're going to quote this scripture, and here are the fo close followers of Jesus, right in his inner network, shall we call down fire like Elijah did? And Jesus wheels around and rebukes them. He says, you don't know what spirit you're up now, let me just let me say this, it wasn't the Holy Spirit, that's a bad spirit, that's the devil. Christians are very gullible, so they believe things and so forth. But let's say, if it comes out of the Old Testament, you better be very discerning whether that lines up with the New Testament. Because if it's talking about hurting people, judging people, wounding people, boom, 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 reject it. I, like me, I get things so forth all the time, like, up, oh, delete. I'm glad for the delete button. Because, because there's a lot of things that should be deleted. That Christians are nibbling on, you know, they're gumming around things, you know, things harsh, judgmental messages. It should be deleted. The message to the world is Jesus Christ loves them. Amen. Everybody should shout amen on that. Amen. The message to the world is that Jesus Christ loves them. That is the message. Whoever that is, whoever you encounter. Right? That's the message that we bring to the world. 
That's a message of love, message of grace. Sometimes be careful what you wish for, folks. We're not perfect, all right? If you live in a glass house, you don't want to be throwing stones. You know, if, if you're going to get into heaven on your merit, which you're not, <laughs> then you better be careful what you're saying about other people. We'll get into heaven because of the grace of God, because we love Jesus Christ, because we love him because he first loved us. <laughs> Amen. So the message is love. So the woman comes and, the, and all the people are there. Well, she should be stoned. What do you think? What do you think? She's caught in the very act of adultery. What do you think? So he draws a line. So after Jesus wrote in the sand, I would suspect, people always wonder, I wonder what he wrote in the sand. Well, why don't you think about it? Think about all the people in the sins. He wasn't writing a little diagram. Isn't this a pretty diagram of the stars? No, he's probably writing their sins. Because one by one, beginning at the eldest to the youngest, they're looking at that They, oh, well, I deserve to be stoned too. Oh, I deserve death too. I deserve this and that. Because there are none righteous, no, not one. And so one by one, they all leave. And Jesus raises himself up and looks at the woman. Where are your accusers? Keep in mind, Revelation says the accuser of the brethren is the devil. Keep in mind that I've learned to be very cautious about pointing a finger. (laughs) Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't point your finger. (laughs) Don't point your finger. Don't don't do that. Okay? You you don't... You you know, listen. Listen, that gets into homes. That gets into marriages. That gets to kids. You know, you're pointing fingers. and No, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to live that way. I don't think Jesus was one, one doing that. I think Jesus was the one just reaching out and trying to help people. They all didn't follow him, but he was still trying to help them, right? He's still trying to help them. So he says, where are your accusers? He says, no one condemned you. And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Draws a line. New Testament. He wasn't condoning her sin, but he certainly was condoning offering her grace and forgiveness. That's what we offer the world, right? So the world, the world, and sometimes Christians will throw people out there. They deserve this and that. Yeah, well, what do you say? What is your testimony? What is your response to somebody at work when they're talking about things? See, we, we, we have a testimony. We're a witness. So the accuser of the brethren says one thing and so forth. Now, where, where are we going to stand in that witness? So this woman, I would guess, you know, had difficulty, difficult life, difficult things. However, I thank God that here she comes and she's forgiven. Amen. There's a place that we think about things go on. Um, uh, Matthew 9. Here's the woman with the issue of blood. She'd been sick 12 years. Talk about being stuck. Sick 12 years. When you go through long-term illness, when you go through long-term illness, you'll have many opportunities for prayer. Could be in a special meeting. Just could be in a Sunday service. It could be in a prayer meeting. Many opportunities for prayer. Now it's been 12 years. She's, she's struggled with this. She's tried to get well. She's, she's incorporated physicians and so forth, never getting better. All right? And so, so uh, she has a choice. Jesus, she hears, is coming through her neighborhood. Now, keep in mind, we don't, have, we don't have text messages. Tomorrow, Jesus is going to be in your neighborhood. 
No, there's just the rumor mill like, hey, Jesus is coming this way about a quarter mile outside of town. And now you have a choice. She's heard that he's a healer. She's heard that miracles have happened. She's heard about other people being made whole. There's rumors. I like good rumors. Someone says, aren't you a church that prays for those sick people? Yes, we are. Someone said one down, downtown one time too. Don't, doesn't your church pray in tongues? I says, yes, we do. Doesn't yours? Just turn it around. Yes, we do. It's in the Bible. So Jesus had a reputation. So the woman has a choice. She's in her house, as she's supposed to be, according to the law. And so now she has a choice to, to you know, she's 12 years. Think of 12 years of disappointment. We've lived with long-term illness, and one of the things that's, that's difficult, but we, what we endeavor to do is always go by the Scripture, today is the day of salvation. So always bring your faith into today. Might have had a disappointment yesterday. Might have had prayer yesterday, nothing happened, maybe got worse. But it's today now. It's today. When people prayed for our daughter at different times, we tried to look at this, like some people think, there's the big, there's the big name preacher. Boy, they, got, they walk with miracles. Everybody wants to get in their line. But we always looked at if someone is praying to Jesus, the healer, then we were in a position to receive. Even if that was a child praying, whoever, you know, people, many people prayed for, countless people prayed for. So, so positioning yourself that today is the day of faith. Here's the woman now, 12 years. There's some people that struggle with 12 hours of difficulty. You know, people think, oh, you, you know, I, I kind of hurt last night and, and so forth. So I didn't sleep really well. And How about if you hurt that way for 12 years? How about if your parents had to roll you over because so you, you can't roll over? How about if somebody had to feed you? How about if somebody else had to brush your teeth? How about if somebody else had to dress you? So this woman faced, she, she's stuck in a spot. Boy, this is a difficult place to be. But Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. You want to position your faith. It isn't how many people pray for you. And that's, a lot of people get that off. Like, boy, if I got a hundred people praying here, or this many people, then God has to answer. No, God is always moved by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's not improbable, it's impossible. You have just two people praying, but they're praying in faith. Amen? And that's where you want to put yourself. You want to bring yourself to that place of faith. That's what this woman did. She began to say, if I could just touch his garment. So she heard about people being touched by Jesus and just touching him. Like the shadow of Peter that just went by and people were made whole. Didn't even touch people, but were made whole. And so she mustered something in her heart that caused her to get unstuck and to move out of her house. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's good to move. <laughs> Movement is good. As much as you can, uh, uh, will, exercise your will to get in the presence of God. Exercise your will to fellowship. Exercise your will to praise and worship. And that's what this woman did. Out of all this adversity, she began to step. When she stepped out of her house, she began to step into her future. Her future as a woman who was whole. Physically and spiritually whole. And her life would never be the same. 
And so many times we think, well, boy, I wish if I knew it was today, I'd do that. No, that's where faith comes in. That's where the scripture comes in. Today is the day of salvation. So you want to position yourself. I'm, I'm going to believe today for this. Maybe, maybe you've had prayer for a sore knee 50 times. Doesn't matter. Today, I'm believing. Lord, thank you today for this. And if somebody wants to pray, thank you, Jesus. You want to, you want to thank God for the answer. Amen? Well, that was weak. Always in prayer. That's where we exercise faith. Is that when I'm prayed for, someone's praying for me, I want to say, thank you, Jesus, for the answer right there. Otherwise, what? I'm believing. Yeah, next week. Hey, next week I'll be better. Next week I see the doctor, I'll be good. I want to believe today I'm going to feel better. I want to believe that I'm going to walk out feeling better. That's where you exercise your faith and you get unstuck. Otherwise, for people, it's always in their futures out there someplace. (laughs) And we don't want to be out there. We want to be walking in the spirit right here. Amen. So, so, you know, uh, you just want to live in that place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All the time. Amen. Amen. Like we're in the worship time here. We're just thanking the Lord in his presence and so forth. This, these should be habits. Good habits for us. And this helps us to not, maybe not even get stuck. But if we are stuck, to get unstuck. Raises the tide of the spirit around us. Amen. See, these are things, what, what are we doing? We're just going and getting what is ours. It doesn't come down. Someone said to me one time, because I've faced adversity and cancer and different things, treatments and all that kind of stuff. And someone said one time from this church, they said, well, God has to heal you. You, you're the pastor. And I turned around and said, that is a lie. That is a lie. It has nothing to do with being a pastor. God wants to heal every person Anybody, because they believe in him, they trust in him, they have faith. He wants to heal people. Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we always see it, but I, I do say this, you know, because someone, I was with a pastor in town here once, and he was talking about this woman in the church and how faithful she was, and, and then she died. And he says, you can't say that that wasn't God's will. She died. You can't say that. Look at this woman. And I said, I'm glad she's in heaven. But you can't frame the word of God. You can't frame your doctrine around your experience. You frame your doctrine around the Word of God. Folks, all of us have had bad experiences. All of us, we've been around people who've died. We've been around people who haven't made it and so forth. But that doesn't change the Word of God. My experience might be this, but I want to raise my experience to a level of where the Word of God is at. So that I can get what is mine. All our life will be living by faith, right? All our life... We'll be exercising faith. We never get away from this. We're always trusting God. In Luke 8, there's a lady that, uh, again, probably uh, we don't know her situation, but normally when you have demons, a lot of demons, it's through a process of time. And so they, Jesus, uh, he went to cities, villages, preaching bringing the good news and so forth. The 12 were with him. Certain women who had been healed of evil spirits. And then it mentions Mary Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. And then others, Johanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. And this is connected with, the, this, is, this is high up in the place here. This, this, uh, uh, this lady, her husband was Herod's steward. All right. 
many others, then they ministered to Jesus. So in that line, here's, here's this lady who's a follower of Jesus Christ now, who's ministering with him and so forth. And it says her past, she had had seven demons. They must have counted them when they came out. But she was healed. She was restored. Now she's well. So at some point, there was this encounter where, where uh, uh, something happened. So we have to come to a place where, where we might have a poor past, but God has a glorious future. He has glorious things for us. She comes to Jesus. She gets set free. Now she's following Jesus Christ. Now, of course, her story, we won't get, it, get into that, but her story, of course, Mary Magdalene was one of the ladies at the cross. Mary Magdalene was one of the ladies at the tomb. In fact, Mary Magdalene was the first person that the resurrected Jesus talked to. It was Mary Magdalene who brought the message to the disciples. So this lady, whose past was poor, but future so glorious, I would suspect Mary Magdalene in the upper room, hallelujah, praying in tongues. But Mary Magdalene had, had at one point, a lot of baggage. A baggage uh, is things like, uh, Hebrews says, let lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So let's not talk about sins, let's talk about weights, baggage. Things that can hold us down, oh man. I wish I could do that, but I was a failure. I wish I could do that, but I, whatever, I had demons. I wish I could do that, you know. I had this in my background. Well, the wishing's over. You can, you can lay aside the baggage. You can let it go, amen? Take your hands here. Hold them out like this. Hold them out like that. Now just open your hands. Sometimes just in the natural, just say, I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. I just hold my hands. I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to do those things. I'm walking with Jesus. Now, there's another guy that had demons a long time. That's uh, Luke chapter 8. Let's go to Luke chapter 8 in a second. Luke chapter 8, verse, verse 26, talks about the Gadarene. And in this case, I think it's Luke chapter 8. Do we have that there? 26, 27? Let me wait till they get that. Can you help him there, Lowell? Okay. So, uh, 26, and then put 27 there, too. So, they sail in the country of the Gadarenes, okay? And, and they come into this place. I don't know if we can get 27 up there. And so, so, Jesus steps out in the land. Now, a certain guy, now notice what it says. He had had these things a long time. And, of course, again... There can be things in our lives that we think, wow, I've faced this since high school. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor, that's nice, but I can't change. I've struggled with this since high school. So what? So what? I mean, just because you struggle with something doesn't mean today can't change. We serve, we serve a God who answers prayer. Let me make this real clear. Every other God on the planet is dead. Every God, every Hindu God is dead. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. I'm saying that here. When I go to places, if you said that, they'd kill you. Because they're worshiping things that they're putting their hope in to make their life better. But those gods cannot hear. They cannot see. They cannot do anything. But ours can as a Christian, as a Christian, how you act is important. 
In other words, in other words, are you like everybody else at work just belly aching? Oh, things are tough and the world's going to hell. I don't know what to do. Are you that person? Or are you a person that exhibits hope and faith and trust? Like, boy, you know, the Lord is so good. We just had a great time at church praising God. And someone can say, but what about this and what about this? Oh, but the Lord is bigger than that. He's bigger than those things. And our life is to, is to exude Jesus Christ because he lives in us. He's a God of hope. Folks, let me just say, right now, right now, a huge portion of the body of Christ is like this. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they're Christians. Belly aching like every other person in the world. Pathetic. If you're watching this and you're doing that, get over it. That's pathetic. That's not how you live your life as a Christian. You have a Savior who brought you victory. So you're not a victim, you're a victor. All right? So we should act like we're supposed to act as light of the world, not darkness, not criticizing like everybody else. No, we should be living on a higher plane. We're reaching people. Amen. Amen? This guy had demons a long time. Long time means it's progressive, progressive. That's why you want to get unstuck as soon as you can. You think, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, get unstuck because people say, oh, I don't think it'll get worse. Like, honey, it'll get a lot worse. It'll always get worse unless you choose to get out of it. It will get worse. That's just how things are. That's why he came to a place he didn't have any clothes. He couldn't live at home any longer. He lived in the cemetery. He cut himself. He was wild. He'd break chains. He had demonic powers. However, there was a day... Having heard, see, why is it important for us to witness about Jesus? Not God. There are lots of gods. About Jesus. Because you might think, you know, that person, well, they don't have any hope. I'm not going to pray for them. They don't have any hope. No, you always tell people, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus got a plan for you. They might be offended. I don't care if they're offended. Why am I going to care if someone is offended because Jesus loves them? That's not my problem. My issue is to share the gospel. And it's simple. He loves you. He cares for you. He's got a plan for you. All those things are good. Because someday maybe, like this guy again, the boat lands and someone says, Hey, that man is coming here. That man we heard about in Galilee is coming here to our country, the Gadarenes. And this guy who's who's probably in the cemetery, (laughs) there's maybe hope. And he does what? He runs to Jesus. He takes a step. The very first moment we take a step forward is when we start getting unstuck. Like, I'm going to get help. Like the person who realizes, boy, I've... all of a sudden someone wakes up and they think, well, I'm a drunk. Better get help. Of course, I've been a drunk maybe for 30 years. But all of a sudden, woo, 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 light goes on. I better get help. Boom, something will happen. As soon as you take a step to improve your life, your marriage, your situation, something will happen. Positive. You're taking a step towards the Lord. And this guy here took a step toward the Lord and his life became unstuck. And he stepped into his future. Amen? Your future. Turn to your neighbor and say, your future is very bright.
your future is very bright. See, and we can think, yeah, sure, I suppose maybe, maybe it is. No, not maybe, it is. With the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, folks, I've been in depressing situations, okay? And yet, and yet, I'd, I'd rustle myself up. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I go sit down on my desk and just read the word. And, then I, and I get a word. Thank you, Jesus. You know, something that ministered to my heart. Something that helped, helped me. Because why? We're prone to discouragement. We're prone to thinking, it's not going to get any better. And that's a lie. It's always a lie. Not going to get any better. No, that's a lie. And we think, well, winds are going to change then because I've been doing this for five years. I don't know. But don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. We don't, have a, we don't have a date on the promises of God, but let's keep in mind there's no expiration date on the promises of God. They're for us today. <laughs> let's, let's fast forward. Ephesians 2.10. The Bible just says you are his workmanship. So what does it mean? It means he's working on us and in us. He can only work in me as much as I let him, though. Right? So I've got to, so to speak, show up to his presence, the workshop, and say, Lord, here, here I am. Just keep, keep working in me. And the Lord does things all the time. He'll prune attitudes. He'll prune things about habits. He'll prune things. This will help you to grow better, Dave, if you do this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Not, those aren't bad things. Those are good things. So we are his workmanship, right? We are his workmanship that he created us in Christ Jesus to do, to be a light for him. Amen? And then you look at Philippians, last scripture verse here, Philippians 1.6, that we can be confident of our future, that, that he's begun a good work, he'll complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we can be confident of our future, that your future is good in Jesus Christ. In the world, yes, I may face adversity. That's true. However, Jesus said in John 16, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So I can be confident in this, in my future, that he's begun a good thing. He's performing it. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's working in you. Right now. So we want to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Amen. We want to allow, and we do that. How do we do that? By being in the Word, by being in prayer, by being in fellowship, by being in worship. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We recognize when we get stuck on something, take a step of faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. And in Jesus Christ, they will. Amen? So I want you to lift your hands just for a second. Lord, we choose today to fix our eyes upon you. You are the one that gives us faith. You are the one that encourages us. You are the one that brings us life. Hallelujah. So we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we can walk in the spirit, even in heavenly places, above all the things going on in this world, as, that we can walk as lights for you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we shake off those things. We, we take our eyes off those things that would be problems or discouragements or whatever they might be. And we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. I thank you today because today is the day of salvation. I thank you today, Lord, for progress. 
for steps forward. I thank you today for lives changed, habits changed, miracles changing in our lives, in our marriages, our kids, uh, our co-workers. I thank you today for healings. I thank you today for doing supernatural things by your spirit today, Lord God. I thank you for this today. We choose to praise you today. Hallelujah. Thank you today, Jesus, for the victory you give us. We go after it, Lord. We thank you for your word. That is true, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for this word, the power of your word, the anointing you've given us, Jesus, that we are not ordinary. We are supernatural citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Father, I thank you for this. I bless you today. I bless these people here in, in person, those listening right online right now. I thank you. You're working today, Lord. Thank you today, Lord, for forward advancement. And Lord, we thank you for souls. Let's just agree for souls. Father, we thank you for souls. Souls, souls to be saved, Lord. People around us to get saved. Lord, give us an answer to give to other people, Lord, about your love and grace. Thank you for souls, Lord, in families, in on our jobs, and people that we might meet other places. Thank you for souls, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for people coming to know you, Lord, how good you are. Just like these people in the Bible, even, Lord, out of tough situations come a running to you. And, Lord, you ministered life to them. Lord, I thank you. You give us that anointing to minister life to people around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.